This morning's Bible reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 12. And we're reading the first uh, eight verses. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Thanks, Carl. <clears throat> Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity again to gather together to hear your word and to respond to it. Be with the boys and girls at Kids Church and Kindy Kids Church. Be with the teachers and the helpers. And may they have a significant time of learning together. So too for us, speak truth into our minds and hearts that we might be shaped to be more like the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 12, over the next couple of weeks, pre-Christmas... Um, we're going to do a little bit about serving because as we come to the end of the year, some of our folks are stepping out of leadership. Some folks are um, moving on to another church and we want to farewell them and salute them and thank them for their service. But that's creating a few little vacancies. Plus there might be some new things that we want to do. There are certainly, the pastors have been, pastoral team have been planning some things for next year, which were looking forward to and excited about but we're going to need you to be playing your part as God directs you so this morning's talk and over the next couple of Sundays it'll be availability to serve next Sunday Pastor David's going to speak uh, to the morning congregations uh, he's returning to the pulpits though he's been in the pulpit he's been in other churches when he's been to Mullaney and had a good time up there um, so we're looking forward to Pastor David pray for him as he uh, figures out what he's going to preach on this week he already knows um, Jeff Island's going to do next Sunday night as well if you know Jeff he comes to the evening service um, and has been attending us now for a couple of years and then the Sunday after that we'll have uh, Pastor Tracy and Pastor Charlie are going to do something on 1 Peter 3 or Romans 12 1 Peter 4 again about serving and so on. Questions are available for the Connect groups or just for you personally for your own reflection. Here are some of those questions. If you could change one thing about your walk with God, what would it be? If you could change one thing about your walk with God, what would it be? And then to discuss with somebody, 
Is a person who claims to be saved, but who won't give themselves totally to God, truly saved? How can I know and enjoy the will of God? If I have a gift, what am I to do with it? Where? How? What happens if I don't? If other believers have a gift, what am I to do about that? Here is my favourite question. Is it more spiritual to serve God as a pastor or missionary than as a tradie or in secular profession? Is it more spiritual to serve God as a pastor or a missionary than as a tradie or someone involved in a secular profession? The answer is obvious, I think. How did Jesus please God for 30 years of his life before he started his public ministry? Remember when Jesus was baptised, the Father says to him, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And for the last 30 years of his life, he was a carpenter in Nazareth. Wasn't preaching. Faithfully serving. And do you know what God wants you to do here in the body at SDBC? Are you doing it? Well, the passage we read, had read to us this morning is Romans 12, 1 to 8. And it's Paul's therefore. This is, there are four therefores in the book of Romans. As you work your way through, he comes to conclusions. And this is the last one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, men and women, everybody, in view of God's mercy, what Paul has been talking about in the first half of the book, because God has been merciful to us, What's the appropriate response for us to do? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In view of God's mercy, are you the recipient of God's mercy? And if you are, then what's the appropriate response? Well, in the first half of the Romans, book of Romans, certainly the first 11 chapters, Paul's been talking about God saving us Spiritually, if you like, saving our soul, saving our spirit, giving us eternal life. God also wants our bodies. And to offer God your bodies is to offer him everything. Your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet, your mind, as he'll come to, your will. It's total surrender, total commitment. Some people, and you've got to watch your motives, some people surrender themselves fully to God in order to earn God's favour. That's not the order here. It's not the biblical order. Surrendering fully to God is driven by a response to God's grace and mercy towards us because he's been like that to us. This is the appropriate response going forward. There was a missionary sent to a leper colony and on the leper colony they had a prison because the lepers were people with leprosy were still you know sinners and still committed crimes and when the missionary arrived there were four particular um, people with leprosy who had chains on on their ankles and on their wrists and they were so tight that it was actually eating into them and you know destroying them they didn't just have leprosy they were chained and the missionary pastor said to the guard you know release them we shouldn't do that because they're dangerous people release them and he did and then a few days later the missionary was called to go to another part of the island 
leaving his wife at home and she said, I'll be okay, God will watch over me and so on. And in the morning, she woke up, she was okay. In the morning, she, when she opened the door, there were those four men who had been chained at her front door. That startled her a little bit, but they explained to her, because your husband had been so merciful to us, we stayed here all night to protect you from anybody else who would want to come. The response flew out of what he had done for them. So to our response, what has God done for you? And if you understand that, and as you more fully understand that, the only appropriate response is full and complete surrender. We all struggle with that. The man who led D.L. Moody to the Lord was a shoe salesman uh, whose surname was Kendall. And Kendall said to D.L. Moody one day, the world is waiting to see what God can do with a person who is... 100% surrendered to him. The world is waiting to see. And D.L. Moody said, by God's help, I will be that man. And he was. He was a remarkable servant of the Lord. Who, and there are lots of stories we could tell about D.L. Moody, but I'll get distracted. He gave his whole body, his whole life to God. There was a uh, medical student at Oxford University who was a Christian, attended church, and one day when he found himself in the services, realised that when the offering was coming, and back in those days, you know, they passed the offering plate around. Remember those days? They're gone. Um, <clears throat> when the offering plate was being around, he was searching his pocket, he realised he'd left his wallet. He had no money. And then he sort of felt terrible at, what am I going to do? And then he thought about it. And he took out a pen, a bit of paper, and he wrote one word on it. What was the word? Very good. You're not the medical student, are you? No. Myself. God took him at his word. When he graduated from Oxford University, medical student, uh, got qualified, doctor, God took him to India, where God used his hands used his feet to spread the good news of going to different places, used his eyes to observe and his tongue to communicate the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I'm spending way too much time on this first verse, but maybe that's what God wants. We'll see. I've got to get somewhere else. A little boy in Scotland, I love this story, and I've told it half a dozen times in the last 20 years, I guess, or so. So you've heard it before, and if you haven't, then I hope you enjoy it too. This little boy went to church, Presbyterian church, and he was just a little guy who loved God, and kids can and do. And the offering thing came around again, it was a wooden plate, and he didn't have any money in his pockets to give, so he took the offering plate, he put it on the ground, and then he stood in it. (laughs) Gave himself to God. That's what God wants. God wants you. God wants your body. In the Old Testament, when you used to go to worship, you had to bring a body. It was an animal which you would sacrifice. Well, God still wants a body when you come to worship him. Your body. And he doesn't want you to kill yourself. He wants you to be a living sacrifice, which is harder. It's hard being a living sacrifice. It's easier to be martyred it's easier to die for Jesus as hard as that is than it is to live for Jesus every day 
in every context. <clears throat> and that's what God is requiring. In view of his mercy to us, Paul says, offer your bodies as a, a sacrifice, which is living, holy, set apart for God, and pleasing to him. If you do that, that's the... You know, the Greek words can be translated in a couple of different ways, which is why you get the variety. The NIV goes, this is, that's your true and proper worship. Other versions will go, that's the logical or rational worship. Or some will go, that's your spiritual worship. That's the logical, rational conclusion to all that God has done for us is to give ourselves entirely to him. It's the true and proper thing for us to do. It's the spiritually appropriate thing for us to do. So I guess the question is, you're doing it. Have you surrendered your life to him fully? It involves our body. We're body people. God made us uh, with a body and eternally we will have a body. We've had a couple of more funerals this week. We had two the week before. Pastor Tracy's mum and Margie Rain's mum. And then this week we had Donna Turnbull's dad. And yesterday we had David Ross, Luba's husband, on Friday. Um, what am I saying that for? Sorry? Ah, oh, we are body-dwelling people. The only time you don't have a body is when you leave your body when you die in this world and then go to glory as a believer in the Lord Jesus. Then you don't have a body. You are a spirit. I don't know enough about that to talk about it. But God is going to resurrect us. That's why Christianity is the most materialistic religion in the world. We don't deny the body, suppress the body. We... Give the body to God. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. God made it, made it for good purposes. And so God wants us, it pleases him when we surrender our bodies entirely to him. Um, this is um, a voluntary thing that we do. It's an ongoing, initial and an ongoing thing. And it certainly includes every part of us. Paul then goes on to say the negative of this. Do that. Don't conform to the world around you. Don't conform to this evil age that we live in. That's the easiest thing to do. Don't get wrapped up in the temporal only. Don't live life under the sun only. Don't have all of your investments in that which you can see. Don't let all your thinking, planning and ambitions be determined by this life only. If that's the case for anybody, then that person is simply worldly, man-centred, temporal. The world, as Paul uses it here, is, is that organisation, that group of people and, and things, schemes, that live without God. They live independent of God. They don't want anything to do with God. And Paul says, don't conform to those people. Don't conform to that standard. Don't be a Sunday Christian and then become... A chameleon who just fits in at the office. Be more like the caterpillar. Commit yourself to living for Jesus in whatever context you are. And to do that graciously and with maturity. Not to be pushy and Bible bashing, none of that nonsense. It's being real. On Friday, 
There was a man who came to the funeral. His name was Mark. And I, I spoke about, you know, the two groups, those who are with God and those who are without God. And he came to me over the refreshments and he said, you know, thanks for the service. And I guess I got to put in both camps. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm an agnostic. I believe there's a God, but I don't know which one. And so I'm sort of over here. To which I got to say, say to him, you know, a bloke came to Jesus one day and said exactly the same thing. You know, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Um, but he wanted to say that he really appreciated the service. If you were here, then you would understand this. And especially Luba, he just said it was real. This wasn't just religion. This was real. She's talking about a real person, not just David, but Jesus. Um, and he was quite moved by that. That's all you have to do. Just be who you are, who God made you to be. So don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, which is our mission statement as a church. Be changed. And that's not an instant thing, it's a process thing. And how does it happen? Well, it happens by through your mind. It's the way you think. Three things, very quickly. <clears throat> the primary source for renewing our minds is the Word of God. It speaks to all of life. Not specifically, but certainly in principles. It talks about our priorities, our values, and our relationships. It reveals God to us, the Bible does, and it reveals us to us. The Bible helps us to do, it's holding up a mirror to us so that we know what we are like, which then just magnifies the mercy of God towards us. So question, have you got a habit or a process of reading all of God's word? Because that's the primary way of renewing your mind, which is what we're required to do. On Saturday's mornings, we've now started, starting at about 8 o'clock, just for about an hour, 50 minutes to an hour, of working our way through some Bible books. Um, I'm doing that with Ruth and Rex May, if you know them, over here. Um, in order to prepare them for when they go overseas as a missionary, I thought it'd be good to go through all of the scriptures. If you want to come and join us, 20 bucks, you can come and join us. No, it's free. And it's only one hour, the next time we're doing it, next Saturday morning, we're looking at the book of Leviticus. We've done Genesis, we've done Exodus, so now we're up to Leviticus. So we're just going to work our way through the Bible um, and cover some other things as well. It's like I said that time, if you want to come, just come, just turn up. You don't need to do anything, bring your Bible. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Primary way, the scriptures. Second way, listening to good Bible teachers or reading good Christian books, authors, podcasts, biographies, exposing yourself to biblical truth through others renews the mind. And finally, just listening to one another, listening to other believers, their wisdom, observing the example of their life, hearing their corrections to you or their encouragement of you, exposing yourself to God's word through all of those sorts of ways. When these two things are true, when we surrender our body to God and when we are being renewed in our mind, that's a process, but when we're doing both of those, this is the result. Second half of verse 2. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Do you want to know what God's will is? Do those two things. And then you will discover God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will. When you surrender your body to him, you are saved, spirit-filled, and you are submitting to him and to appropriate authorities or people in your life. 
When you are not conforming to the world, then you are in the process of sanctification. And your mind is being renewed. That's where you are serving and suffering. That's Franklin. Let's close in prayer. Um, that's a distraction, isn't it? What was I saying? Sanctification. And then you're being renewed in your mind and then you are serving and you're being prepared to suffer. When those are true in your life, then you can trust what God is putting within your heart. If those things are not true in your life, don't trust your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, Scripture says. Don't trust it. But put these other things into your life and God is now in control of your heart. He can direct you which is a wonderful freedom. And you can discover God's general will through the scriptures, but his specific will for you, what he wants you to be doing. You may or may not know the name, it doesn't really matter, H.C.G. Mill, who was a New Testament scholar way back at the beginning of the 1900s, world-renowned and still is, his writings are. He says, The renewed mind can by holy instinct discern in conflicting cases the will of God from the will of self and the world. It's a great quote. The renewing mind can by holy instinct discern the conflicting cases between is that God or is that me or is that the world? A renewed mind can discern which one it is. So it's a great gift. And then you'll approve God's will and God's will is good, acceptable, pleasing and perfect. Doing God's will is always the best thing you can do. I used to think it when I first became a Christian, and I've heard others think it as well, so it's pretty common. If I surrender myself fully to God, he's going to send me to Africa or India or China or somewhere else, and I don't want to go, so therefore I won't surrender fully to God. If you just stop and think about that, it's foolishness. It's a fear of man. If God wanted me to go to Africa or India or or wherever, it's got to be the best place for me. God called me and Rhonda to leave the wonderful, beautiful New South Wales (laughs) and to go north into the unknown (laughs) wickedness of the north where we found some lovely people. Doing God's will, you know this, doing God's will is always the best thing that you can do um, because it's good. Sin damages us, self damages us, but God's will is good for us, even though it can be tough to do. It's acceptable. Disobedience is always displeasing. But when we obey God, please, we please God, and we are pleased ourselves, and it's perfect. turns out to be more like the Lord Jesus. Next step, verse 3 says... For by the grace of God given to me, when Paul says that, he either means he's the recipient of God's mercy and grace, or he means specifically by the gifts of grace that God's called to him. And the Apostle Paul would be saying, by the grace of God's calling on my life, by my apostleship, by the gifts and the office that God has placed me in, can go either way. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself, one, more highly than you ought to think. And he doesn't say it, but other scriptures, or nor think too lowly of yourself. 
In view of who God is and having a renewed mind will help you to think about yourself, and it's okay to think about yourself, of course. The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbour as yourself. We love ourselves. Of course we do. That sounds terrible, but it's the reality. We look after ourselves. We brush our hair, we clean our teeth, we feed ourselves, we give ourselves sleep, and so on. We look after ourselves. Nothing wrong with that. But what sin does, it distorts us and it makes us think we're bigger and more important than what we really are. We're not indispensable. Nobody is. So don't think of yourself too highly. And don't think of yourself as more important than somebody else. I've done this before. Who's more important? The medical doctors um, and scientists of our community and world or the people who pick up the garbage? Who's more important? Well, the doctors and the scientists, of course. No. Try living for about three weeks without the garbage being collected. They're pretty important. They're both important, aren't they? We need both. It's not one or the other. And so that's what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians. Don't think, I don't need you. And don't think, I'm not needed either. Wrong thinking. So... By the grace given to me, don't think of yourself more hallowed than you ought to think, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Be objective. Go through the process and think about what can I do? What can't I do? What should I do? Am I doing it? What can I do? Make a list. The chances are very high that you are multi-talented and that God doesn't usually give one gift. He gives several. That's based upon uh, experience, not scripture. But if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you have a gift. You may not know what it is, but you have one. And if you don't know what it is, you need to find out. You need to ask some people. You need help in the process. And then you need to commit yourself to doing it. Don't overcommit yourself. Some of our folk in our church have overcommitted themselves. What does that mean? Well, their life is not in balance. We have responsibilities to family, to work, to ourselves in terms of health, to relationships. We've got to do all of those things, be involved in all, and serve in the church. Not serve in the church every day and then have no time left for family and no time left for neighbours and no time left for... I can remember the principal of Bible college getting home and mowing his lawn at midnight because that was the only time he had to mow his lawn. What a great witness to the neighbours. Come and follow Jesus and your life will be kissed goodbye as well. You won't have a life. It's terrible. Keep your life in balance. But don't bury your gifts. Find out what the Lord wants you to do and do it. Pace yourself. So discover and know your gifts because the Apostle Paul is exactly where he heads. He uses his very physical illustrations. For just as we all have one body, how many bodies have you got? One. I've got one body, I'm growing it, I want the biggest temple I can get for the Lord. (laughs) For each of us has one body and each body has all different parts, different members and those members don't all have the same function. But they're often doubles. You notice that? I have a hand, I've got another hand. I've got a foot, got a foot, got an eye, got an eye, got an ear, got an ear, got a lung, got a lung, da 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 da. They're often doubled over but different and serve different purposes. That's physically, in our body. The Apostle Paul then goes, so in Christ, we individually 
who are many, we actually form one body. And each member of that body, which is the people in it, belongs to the others. That's where membership comes from, belonging to a church, committing to that church and playing your role in that church. It's like if one part of your body is not working, then the whole body suffers, misses out. So this is where I'm going to get a little bit in your face, I guess. You have to answer the question, does God want me here in this church? Can I fit in? Can I serve, submit, support? Can I speak well of the church? And if so, you need to be serving. You need to be stepping up. You need to be available. In balance. Don't overcommit. Don't undercommit. It's far too easy in our world. We get so busy with life, and I don't know anybody who's not busy. It's so easy simply to attend, to sit and soak, but not get involved. I don't mean to make you uncomfortable. It's not my intention, but I do need to confront you with truth. If this is your church, you need to be involved. If you're attending Sunnybank District Baptist Church and you're from another church and you're here um, and it's because of some painful experience or something, you're wounded, you've been hurt by another church, uh, then I'm not talking to you. You take all the time you need to get healed, to get ministered to, to recover. You're welcome to sit and soak and get healed. You're in transition phase. Look after yourself. There is a time and season for everything. Please hear me say that. And if you're in this church and you've been hurt by this church, that happens, then I have a different thing that I want to say to you. If you feel wounded by this church and you're still here and you're staying because this is your church, well, terrific. But it's time to get healed. It's time to get over it and move forward. Or... It's time to deal with it and move forward. It's time to move forward. Either way, you shouldn't be sitting and soaking. There is a different process for you if this is your church. There is a distinction. So we need the whole body involved. So here are some questions for you. What abilities has God given you? Can you sing? Can you lead singing? You might want to write those down as I go. Can you play a musical instrument? Can you use computers? Can you operate the sound desk? Are you a positive, friendly person, glad to meet and greet people? Join the welcoming team. Can you mow the lawn? Join the mowing roster. Can you clean the church vacuum and setting up chairs? You can help. Can you fix things because you're practical? Let Peter know. Can you cook things? Can you make coffee? <laughs> Can you read? Can you pray publicly? Can you walk and take some leaflets? The last section that is up and down Nemes Road in the street over there. So if nobody else does it, I'll be happy to do that so Jeff can stop picking on us. Can you drive? Can you give? Can you administer? Can you organise? Can you lead? Can you visit? Can you teach? Can you host a group? Can you lead a group? Are you good with kids? Are you good with youth? Are you good with seniors? Can you research stuff? 
You've got a heart for mission. Join the World Focus Team. Are you an evangelist? Can you prophecy? Can you cancel? There's lots to do. And we need to do it. We don't have to do everything, not as a church. We don't have to do everything. But if everyone was doing what God wanted them to do and equipped them to do, then it'd be interesting to see what things would we be doing in the life of the church. And it's quite okay for some things to stop. They go in seasons. We're not in the process of preserving that which we've been doing forever. We're in the process of wanting to do God's will here and now to reach this community. So in Christ, though many form one body, each member belongs to the others. Watch the bluntness of the Apostle Paul. We have different gifts, we know, according to the grace that God to each one of us. It's a grace gift. The Greek word is charismata, which is where the word charismatic comes from. It's simply saying we believe in the spiritual gifts. Prophesying, that's hearing what God says and speaking it forth. It can overlap with preaching, it can overlap with teaching, it's distinct from those, but it's similar too. Look at this. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it uh, is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. The Apostle Paul basically said, God has given you a gift, use it in the life of the body. Romans, so assess yourself and do what God has given you to do. Use it. Otherwise, what's the point of God giving you a gift if you're never going to use it? And again, if you don't know what your gift is, we'll hold a discovering your gift class and go through a process of helping you do that. Romans chapter 12 is about a life dedicated to God because of the gospel, because of his mercy to us. Romans 12 reminds us it's about a mind transformed by the word of God and by the gospel. And Romans 12 emphasises it's a ministry, serving, motivated, energised by God and the gospel. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know these truths. We've been reminded of them again today that you are a God of mercy and you have been incredibly merciful to us. So gracious, so kind. I'm sorry, Lord, that our response has been below par for some, perhaps for far too many. So help us to repent, work in our lives and hearts, forgive us for our non-involvement or our lack or lower level of involvement than what you require. Lord, we love you. Help us to live that love out in our lives. Show us and guide us forward for Jesus' sake. Help us to do your will, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen.